Jesus said, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Every good endeavor is a gift from God. Here on Faith Marketplace Radio, you'll be inspired, equipped, and encouraged in your work as you hear business leaders share how their faith impacts their work. Joining us every Saturday at noon on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. For Faith Marketplace Radio, here are your hosts, Bob Lambert and Jennifer Villarreal. Hey, welcome and good day uh, back to Faith Marketplace. Hey, we're a show that's stor- uh, stories of Christian business leaders to equip and encourage. We want to inspire you to live out your faith in, in your work and do through the daily interactions in your business. I'm Bob Lambert, the host of the show, founding partner of the Samurai Business Group in Chicago. We offer business owners and teams sales, sales management, and business development training. Some of the industries I specialize in in serving the financial services industry, technology, manufacturing, and educational fields. My co-host, which is not with us today, is Jennifer Reyes, her new name, the founding of salesfromtheheart.com. She serves entrepreneurs, coaches, and small business owners nationwide through customized business coaching, one-on-one or in a group. She helps them gain clarity, direction for their business so they, they can have more consistency and clients. And I'd like to welcome our very special guest today, um, all out of Dallas, Texas, is April Anthony. She's the CEO of Encompass Health, Home Health, and Hospice. And I tell you, fashion seatbelts, this lady has got quite a story. Welcome, April. Thank you, Bob. Glad to be here. Yeah. I had, I had to twist your arm a little bit because it was a mutual friend of ours down in Dallas that told me phenomenal stories about you. So I thought, gosh darn, I got to get. But she's a busy lady, folks. I got to tell you that. But uh, I know. Let's start off and let the folks know out there a little bit of your background, your backstory, because you've got a terrific story. Sure. So I am an accountant by training. Began my uh, career at Price Waterhouse, and through kind of an odd set of circumstances, I found myself sort of uh, ending up in the home healthcare industry, which was. Uh, not an industry I had had any prior experience with, and as fortune would have it, when I had been there a total of 58 days and was the ripe old age of 25, I became the owner of one of the subsidiaries of the company that I had gone to work for, and so it was truly a uh, a trial-by-fire entry into the home healthcare space, and I have to admit that even when I entered the space, I thought, well, you know, maybe this just be a place that I could work for a year or two and just sort of bridge a gap on my way to what I thought was going to be my true calling, which was to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. But uh, God showed me a different path when I arrived <laughs> in home health care. I, I just literally fell in love with what we do for patients and with our opportunity to, uh, to take care of our employees in a way that seemed uh, countercultural to what was happening in the healthcare space. And so it proved that now I'm in my 28th year of being in the home health care industry. I never was a stay-at-home mom, in spite of the fact that we now have three grown children. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but this has turned out to be my, uh, my calling and my passion over the, uh, over the last 28 years. Wow, wow. And also, the, uh, the company you have has had quite a growth spurt, hasn't it? We have. So um, this is actually sort of my uh, second venture in home health care. I had my first company from 92 to 97, sold it to a, a public company in 97 who, in all honesty, kind of wrecked it. <laughs> and and uh, it went went into uh, into bankruptcy about a year and a half after I sold it to them. But uh, that turned out to be a God thing, too, because when that happened, it allowed me to get back into the home health care industry and start my second company, which is Encompass Health. 
And Encompass Health started in 1998, so 21 years ago, uh, with just a, a single location here in the Dallas market. And, uh, and we now have over 330 locations and operate in 31 states across the country. We're actually the fourth largest provider of Medicare-certified home health and hospice services in the nation. Wow, and that's so, such an important service now with the baby boomers, I would assume, right? It really is. You know, the thing about home health care is that our, our average patient is 77 years old. And mm. if you look at the stats, the oldest baby boomer won't turn 77 until 2022. So we're still two years from really that baby boom wave beginning to hit the home health care space. And so the probability that over the next 20 years we're going to see dramatic growth just because of the demographic realities in, in our aging population is really what excites us about the future, the way that we're going to be able to help those seniors age in place, finish their life with, uh, with dignity and the respect that they deserve and in the home environment that they're so much more comfortable in than in an institutional setting. So pretty exciting to think about what could happen in our second 20 years in operation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, you know, when I had the privilege of talking with you uh, before we had the show back, it seems like forever ago now, but boy, you were just passionate about the culture you built. Right? Tell our listeners, because that's a, a popular subject today, uh, you know, culture, 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 and EQ and EI and all that stuff. What would you, uh, you know, share with the folks out there how that's played an important role uh, in you building your business? Well, I mentioned I, I kind of stumbled into the home care industry at the uh, at the age of 25, which meant that I had worked at Pricewaterhouse for about three years at the time. And the one good thing about working in public accounting is that uh, you, you get to see a lot of different environments. I was in the audit division, and so about every six or eight weeks, I was moving on to a different company and observing a lot of different cultures. And so when I had the opportunity at 25 to become a business owner, um, one of the first things that became really evident to me, based on my experience at Pricewaterhouse, as as well as on my observations within our home care business, is that one of the most important things we could do as a caregiving organization would be to care for our people, <laughs> actually take care of our folks so that they could take care of our patients. And from that was really born just this really simple philosophy that we try to live out every day. Our, our mission statement at Encompass is deliver a better way to care. Mm. And we really believe that that mission starts with us. Right. It starts with how do we care for our people? How do we give them the right tools? How do we give them the right training and resources? How do we make sure we know they know that we appreciate them, that we acknowledge their contributions and thank them for the work that they do? And I discovered early on in my career in healthcare that that was kind of countercultural, that so often in the healthcare industry, we spent so much time talking about caring for the patient, but nobody was caring for the caregiver. And it was those care caregivers who were getting spent and burned out and used up and really setting their passion aside because they were just too exhausted to continue in the industry. And so from an early age, I decided, boy, that's what we're going to be known for. We're going to be the best place that you can work in healthcare. And if we can create that kind of environment, I think we'll get the best people. And if we have the best people, I know they'll give the best care. If they give the best care, someone will take notice. <laughs> we'll build our reputation <laughs> and our brand and our loyalty. Yeah. And from 
that we'll be able to grow our business. And really allowing that along the lines of that simple formula has really been the totality of my career in home health care. Take care of your people so that they can take care of your patients. And so it manifests itself in a host of different ways, but really making sure we build an organization where we can say this is the best place that you can work. And as a matter of fact, just last week, uh, Encompass Health Home Health and Hospice Division was for the fifth consecutive year named a top 100 place to work by Fortune Magazine. Wow. And Congratulations. so we're pretty excited about that recognition and, and really more excited about the, the longevity of that recognition to do that for five consecutive years now says we've really got some practices that don't just work occasionally, but that are really rooted and founded in successful strategies. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's a stressful environment. I know that I have uh, relatives that are in healthcare, and it's it's gotten to be a very stressful environment, I understand, particularly those that have corporate responsibilities and then, you know, right on down to the floor level people, the people that have to actually administer care. Do you find that true in your industry, in your business? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I would say maybe even more so in the home health care industry because mm-hmm. we take clinicians, nurses, and therapists, and we send them out into patients' homes. We often send them into neighborhoods that are not always fully desirable. We send them into homes with sick patients, with stressed out family and caregivers, and we say, gosh, isn't this a great job? <laughs> Don't you just love this? And so... You know, when you have that kind of environment, that mobile workforce that is out there working independently by themselves, taking on all of those stresses and challenges and clinical judgment situations alone, you've really got to pour into your people with a lot of tools, a lot of training, a lot of resources so that they feel supported even though they're out there working independently. Yeah. And we, we talk about those kind of challenges in business, period. It's not a little, you know, uh, roses and honey all the time. Uh, and I know that you have a bit of a story around uh, a particular challenge that you had uh, starting out your career, right? Well, yeah, we had talked a little bit about, you know, what are some of the things that were challenging in your career. And um, for me, I was always someone who was uh, incredibly nervous about public speaking. And um, and so I stepped into this opportunity at a young age to own a company, and yet I found that I was not a very effective communicator. I knew what I wanted to say, but somehow when I would stand up to say it, uh, the nerves and the anxiety would overcome me. I actually would even physically break out in hives <laughs> up to my chin, and uh, and I thought, boy, I've just got to get better at this. So I, I did all the typical things you do to learn to become a better speaker, but I just found that I, I was still having a really hard time controlling my nerves. And so uh, I actually just started praying about that, and I said, you know, God, you've given me this platform, yeah. this opportunity to really go out and make a difference and to and to do good work on your behalf, and yet I'm kind of ineffective. I'm, I'm not <laughs> able to convey what I want to convey, and I'm trying to learn that skill, but I just really need you to give me this. <laughs> I need you to make me better at this. And, so you leaned on the I Lord. That, I did. I prayed that prayer over and over, and eventually um, I actually... Got up one day and I thought, okay, that was better. And then the next day it was better and then better. And uh, and, and now I'm actually a, a pretty capable speaker. And yeah, really you are. I, we're going to uh, get into that in the next segment because uh, you've got exactly. some great stories around that. And by the way, I, I know you probably know this, but that's one of the biggest fears most people face is public speaking. Uh, no doubt. Fears. Yeah. So uh, and I just read some confirming things also about the two fears we're actually born with. We're only born with two actual fears, uh, and that is the fear of falling and loud noises. 
other than that, all the rest of it is uh, stuff that we... All the rest of it's learned behavior. Yeah, learned behavior. <laughs> well, listen, I want to tell our listeners out there, you need to text us at 224-404-1988 and write the word faith in there. we got lots of goodies here on the show to give away. So I want you to get out there and text 224-404-1988, and we want to send you a gift. Now, you want to stay tuned because we got a, a, another segment coming back here with April Anthony, CEO of Encompass Health. This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders. Faith Marketplace Radio. Hey, we're back here again on Faith Marketplace, and I just want to encourage you that, uh, you know, Jennifer and I love for you guys to connect with us anytime. We're both on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and certainly you can text us at 224-404-1988. We have lots of goodies to give away. Hey, just make sure you put the word uh, in the text, keyword faith. That way we know uh, what to give you or what goodie bag to get it out of is our goodie bag here at the show. Listen, I want to bring back in our special guest again from out of Dallas, Texas. We're talking today with April Anthony. She is the CEO of Encompass Health, Home Health, and Hospice. And we got in a little bit in the last segment about challenges that she had. She told us about uh, facing her fear with public speaking, leaning on the Lord with that. But also, there was another very important challenge, April, that you faced uh, as a, a female business executive, like a lot of folks today that are rising stars and in, in getting into that. There's a particular challenge with that, isn't there? Yeah, no doubt. And when I started uh, my career, I, I didn't have any children. My husband and I had been married for about a year, and it was a few years later when our uh, first child was born. And so really throughout uh, my three children's career, I have a 24-year-old daughter, a 22-year-old son, and a 19-year-old daughter. And throughout all of their lives, I've been a, a working mom. And I'll tell you, early in my career, and particularly in in the years when they were young, um, I had a lot of anxiety about that. Am I making the right choices for my family? Am I doing the right thing? And I think, you know, a lot of working women certainly uh, have those challenges and fears and that anxiety that somehow they may be making a choice that's bad for their family. And so I really began to, to focus on that and focus on on that decision and was I making the right decision. And I, I kind of came to this conclusion that this idea of work-life balance was a little bit of a farce. This, this idea that you could somehow just keep everything kind of equal and be balanced. I kind of thought about it like, I don't know if you remember when you were a, a kid in, uh, in elementary school, they used to have those four-pronged teeter-totters. And oh, yeah. you had four kids that were kind of the same weight and everybody sort of sat with the same level of pressure. You know, you could sort of get that thing balanced. And that's sort of how I was feeling about my life. I've got my family, I've got my work, I've got my community, and I've got my faith. And they're all on these sort of four opposing prongs. And every now and then I would sort of strike that balance and I would think, okay, I'm balanced. But when I would look around, I would realize that I was kind of balanced because I was mediocre at everything. <laughs> I wasn't really being exceptional at any of those four areas, and that was the only way I could seem to strike that balance. And I thought, well, that's not a very rewarding way to live life <laughs> in this uh, world where the best you could hope for is mediocrity. And so I thought, I've got to change that. And I really began to 
search for that solution? What could I do to find this sense of, of balance? And what I discovered is that if I could really draw those four areas of my life together, the closer that I could get them to the center, well, then the less it would feel like an, a teeter-totter with opposing weights on it and more it would feel like a swivel. There would be moments when your family would need more time, moments when your work would need more time or your faith or your community, but it wouldn't have to cause the other part of your life to go totally out of sync in order to dedicate that effort. And so I started looking for ways that I could sort of draw my life to the center. How can mm-hmm. I bring things closer together? And gosh, when I looked at my calendar, it was pretty obvious that I was spending the largest part of my waking hours at work. And so I really started thinking, how do I draw everything closer to work? And so the first place I thought was about my faith, because I always felt like, gosh, I'm just not doing enough. I'm not spending enough time uh, volunteering. I'm not being involved enough in my faith. And so I thought, well, how can I bring my faith to the workplace in an appropriate way? And I really began to look at this concept of being godly in the workplace. And I started looking for ways that I could live out godly principles in the workplace. And I mentioned in our first segment that our mission statement here at Encompass is to deliver a better way to care. And what I discovered as I started looking at how I could become godly in the workplace was that, gosh, every principle that you could find in the biblical text that was a better way to care. <laughs> yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> right. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. Um, you know, do what's right in all occasions. Every scripture that I found said, well, that's a better way to care, and that's a better way to care. And so if I really want to live out this mission of our company, my best way to do it is to bring these godly principles into the workplace. And so I started being a lot more intentional in my communication, in the way I was acting in the office, and the communications that I was having. And what I started to find is that as I did that, people really were drawn to our organization. They were drawn to a company that said, you know what, we're not afraid to be faithful in the workplace. We're not afraid to be godly in the workplace. As a matter of fact, we think the very reason for our success is the choice that we've intentionally made to live out these godly principles in the workplace. And then I began to think about our family and our kids. How could I bring them into the workplace? And so when they were young... I started bringing home stories, stories (laughs) about the patients that we had taken care of that day, about somebody's grandmother and the impact that we had made on her ability to live her life the way she wanted to at the end of life. And I found that the kids started to really realize why mom went to work. It wasn't just to make money. It was to make an impact. And as they grew, we would change the nature of those conversations. Thankfully, my husband and I didn't have very much conflict in our home. And so I started bringing home stories of conflict. We now have 12,000 employees, there's, there's plenty of stories <laughs> to bring home. And I would bring home these stories of, boy, here's what happened today. Here was an employee that was really not meeting our expectations. But here's how we had a conversation with dignity and respect that said, here's what we need you to do, but we wow. didn't have to attack. Wow. We didn't have to go on the offensive, but we had to help them see why that was important, teach them how to do it, and then encourage and inspire them to want to go (laughs) the extra mile that we needed them to go. And I think that helped our kids learn about conflict resolution. As they got older still, we'd teach them about business principles. How are we going to fund this acquisition? How are we going to manage this expansion? And, And I found that as I did that, the kids started to feel a connection to why I was working and what I was doing. And that really some of that guilt that I felt about not being at the Valentine's Day party, really, they didn't care. 
care. <laughs> that wasn't that important to them. Yeah, yeah. But I found those things that were important to them, and I made sure that I was always there for those things, but I didn't necessarily have to be there for everything. And that helped me feel a better sense of balance. And then when it came to our community, I started looking for ways that our company could make a bigger impact on the communities that we serve. And turns out 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago now, we started a, an organization called Encompass Cares. And it's a nonprofit organization that our employees make voluntary donations to. really does three things. One, it supports international medical mission trips. So when our clinicians want to go uh, serve abroad, they have the ability to get funds from the uh, foundation to go do medical mission trips. We do local community community assistance projects, everything from Habitat for Humanity houses to um, things that we can do in our community, fan drives in the summer, backpack drives for students that are in underprivileged neighborhoods, all kinds of, of outreach that we can do. And then the third thing we do is try to help one another when crisis comes along. Maybe it's a natural disaster, a flood, a fire, maybe it's a, a diagnosis of cancer uh, for one of our employees, and then we use our foundation to support that employee. And what I found is that as I started to bring together my faith and my family and my community all into the center, right. then that work-life balance kind of began to, to come together. And it was really about drawing everything toward my work. And, uh, and that, for me, created a much better sense of satisfaction and, uh, and let some of that anxiety that uh, I think particularly young working mothers can feel go away. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm making a broad assumption here, but I'm assuming there's a lot of care, your caregivers are female, right? Uh, he, yes, heavy percentage of our, of our workforce, about 80% is female. Yeah. What a wonderful message and example that you're setting. Do you share these kind of things with your employees? You're talking about I how do. You, One you're of, serving this balance out and how you went about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we love about our organization is we have something we call the Encompass Development Center, and it's mm -hmm. a training, uh, kind of an institute that we have as part of our, our company. And I teach pretty much every Monday mm. um, in the Encompass Development Center, and uh, along with sort of sharing principles of how we really live out those godly values in the workplace, we also talk about some of these other uh, other areas of, of work-life balance and, and really how do you integrate your life so that you can really be your best and you don't have to compartmentalize, you know, who you're trying to be to a particular setting. April, that is so profound and it's so encouraging to hear, you know, here you are a very busy person. You've got a huge force that you're working with, but you take the time out for these basic fundamentals and the kind of things that you've learned along the way that have really been pretty effective for you. And frankly, the, you know, this is uh, great advice uh, for anybody, any of our uh, listeners out there and any people uh, that are involved in the workplace have a leadership position as to how you can really do this, not only for women, but also men, you know, because we get absolutely ha have a tendency to get a little heavy on the work side, too, and not be, be uh, uh, you know, may, maybe not be paying as much attention to our family as we should. And I certainly know that I suffered from that early in my career. Well, you know, this has really been inspiring. You're, you're, you're hitting all the boxes today here, April, you know, what the show is about. <laughs> and the fact that you did now, did you have coaches and mentors? Do you have people come up alongside you to help also give you some godly advice and guidance? Well, you know, it was kind of a funny situation, my, my situation, because taking over as CEO at 25 didn't leave me a lot of time uh, beforehand to have developed those mentor relationships. And then when you sort of are the business leader, it's hard to find those. But frankly, 
uh, thankfully, I was raised by a, a very faithful uh, set of parents who, although they had never been any uh, significant business owners, they'd both been small business owners, and uh, and I think they taught me a lot about uh, work ethic. I think they taught me a lot about uh, how to treat people, and I think the faith that they lived out for the entirety of their their lives really um you know, grounded me yeah. in those principles that mattered. So they, they're still the, the mentors that I turn to most there frequently. You go. Hey, well, listen, we want to remind our listeners to go out there and text us at 224-404-1988 and put in the keyword faith. We've got a bunch of goodies here to give you give away to you, and we'd love for you to be able to take advantage of that. Uh, and also from past shows, we want you to get out there and uh, dial into our podcast at faithmarketplace.com. We have all the podcasts for going on seven years now. I can't believe it. Probably close to 600 interviews, I think, the last time I checked. So got some wonderful things out there that you could take. You get a little uh, windshield time. You're out in the soccer field. You can certainly plug in one of our podcasts and uh, let us know about that. Also, we're run on uh, faith here with donations. So hit the, hit the donate button. We'll be right back with a special guest. This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders. Faith Marketplace Radio. Hey, well, welcome back to Faith Marketplace, a show that features stories from Christian business leaders to equip and encourage you to live out your faith through the daily interactions in your business. And boy, have we got a great guest that's sharing with us today exactly how to do that. Again, April Anthony, CEO of Encompass Health, Home health and hospice we're going to get a little bit deeper into exactly what it is that the company does but you know i gotta ask you a question april uh, as we do with a lot of our guests on uh, do you have a, a favorite bible verse or things that have been encouraging to you or that you lean on sometimes well, definitely, and um, you know, it was funny. We we have a big leadership meeting every February, and um, as we were just celebrating the close of our first twenty years in operations, we really uh, talked a lot about kind of the verse that I believe our company was founded on, which is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, that says uh, um, that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans mm. to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And and I think when I started the company. I mentioned that my first company I had sold, and it had gone to a company that basically drove it into the ground. And, and so when I started the second company, I think that verse really resonated with me, that, that God has something planned for me, and it's greater than what I see today, and uh, and it's it's something that's going to really create a hope and a future. And, and that was really kind of the verse that we, we founded this company on. And as we looked back and celebrated our first 20 years in existence, it was really a celebration of what that hope and what that future had looked like. But as we began our next 20 years, we really looked for a, a, another verse that we could sort of add on that foundation. And the one that we chose was from uh, Genesis 12, verse 2, that says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing to all. And and I think that's what we think about as, as the second 20 years of our, com- our company, is that we, we do have this opportunity to become a great organization and to truly be a blessing to all. And having the opportunity to be in the healthcare business, uh, you know, makes that correlation to blessing be 
pretty obvious um, to be able to help people, particularly in the latter years of their life and in the case of our hospice service line at the very end of life, to be able to truly bless them. That That's a high purpose and a high calling and one we take very seriously. Yeah. Why don't we let our listeners know exactly what uh, Encompass does and, and how you interface with uh, uh, listeners or people who are listening to this as to uh, maybe stories or situations that would, um, you know, give them encouragement or also let them know how they might be able to use Encompass's services. Absolutely. So Encompass Health, Home Health and Hospice is the Home Health and Hospice Division of our company. We also have an inpatient rehab hospital division um, that was kind of the founding uh, division of the, the company that has now become Encompass Health. Throughout the years after I grew the Home Health and Hospice business, I ended up selling a majority interest to this hospital business. And as uh, fortune would have it, they actually chose to rename the whole company with our name. And so Encompass became the, the brand that lives on into the future. But so we have inpatient rehab hospitals when you come out of the hospital and you may not be quite ready to go home yet, but you're, uh, you're well enough to get out of the acute care setting. We have these inpatient rehab hospitals where you can go, usually spend something like two weeks recovering from that illness. Think about patients that maybe have had a stroke or a, a significant in, uh, incident. They can come into that inpatient rehab hospital and spend a couple weeks getting some pretty intensive therapy, about three hours of therapy per day, uh, working with therapists and nurses to kind of get them through that recovery. Mm-hmm. But even after that, so often a patient still may have ongoing needs because you may be able to manage your way through the hospital environment pretty successfully. But when you go home, there's a whole new set of challenges. Right. <laughs> and you're, you're living in an environment that maybe doesn't have slick floors and has stairs and has other challenges that you might not have in a hospital setting. And that's where our home health and hospice services can come in is when a patient comes out of a, an acute care setting or a rehab hospital, but they're really not ready ready to be fully independent again. What we do in the Home Health and Hospice Division is send nurses and therapists, even home health aides, into the patient's home and try to get them through that last mile of recovery and really make sure that they're safe in their home environment, that they understand the nature of their new diagnoses and how their medications maybe need to be uh, thoughtfully taken and what signs and symptoms they might need to be aware of, of a potential future exacerbation. And so we'll teach and we'll train and we'll do therapy with that patient to really get them back to a place where they can feel safe and comfortable and independent in their home environment. Of course, we also have a hospice service line, and in those cases, when uh, your loved one has a terminal illness diagnosis where they're expected to potentially pass away within the next six months, the hospice service line allows us to come in and provide end-of-life care that really focuses on how do we make that patient comfortable in the last period of their life, let them get the most good days they can have, and make sure that we give them everything they need so that they can be comfortable through that process. Yeah, and I can- it's say, amazing the blessing that hospice can be. Yeah, I got to tell you, those are those are angels on earth. Uh, I went through that with my dad, and I, it was just outstanding. Uh, the empathy, how they talked us through everything, it was just absolutely incredible. I'd never experienced yeah. anything like that before in my life, and uh, it was such a comfort, you know, and, and brought a lot of peace around that. So they truly are yeah, angels, absolutely. having having had first experience. I've been in this business for 28 years, but I'll tell you, when my own father went on our hospice services six years ago, receiving our services um, really even gives you a greater appreciation uh, for yeah. the impact and the difference that it makes for yeah. families. Yeah, so, true. boy, we feel honored every day. We have about 55,000 patients a day. Wow. 
that we care for uh, through our Encompass Health Home Health and Hospice Division, and uh, and we feel so honored and blessed to be part of those patients' lives, part of those families' journey as they work through this end of life period. So it's it's really uh, it's really just been phenomenal. Now I know you have facilities up here in the Chicagoland area. So how would a, a listener get a hold and and maybe engage in understanding more of what the kind of services you folks folks provide? Yeah, well, probably the the web-based approach is the best, so you can find us at EncompassHealth.com, and on the website, you can find everything from a description of our services to a map that includes all of our locations, Uh, and we do have locations in the greater Chicagoland area, and so certainly if you have friends or family members that are in need of either home health or hospice services, we would be honored (laughs) to have the opportunity to serve them. Well, listen, April, you are packed with so much wisdom. I would just like to know, what words of wisdom would you have given to your younger self or any young person sitting out there today? (laughs) Well, you know, somebody asked me that question one time, and I said, I I think if I could tell myself something, it would be, hang on, you are not going to believe where this is going to (laughs) go. This is going to blow your socks off, and uh, and it's it's so true. I mean, I just could have never imagined uh, at 25 when I sort of stumbled aimlessly into this industry the impact that it would have on my life, the impact that it would have on uh, hundreds of thousands of employees that over the years have worked for our companies, and then literally now millions of patients that have received the benefit of our services. And um, boy, if you if you'd told me at 25 this is where this is headed, I would have said, "Nah, <laughs> that's not going to happen." <laughs> but uh, but happen. here we are, and you know, I think it's the the provision of God. I, I look at it and I try to you know think, "Gosh, how did we get here?" Mm-hmm. And I just Honestly, the only explanation that makes any sense to me is that we were faithful with a little. And yeah. so God said, I like it. I think I'll give you some more. I love and it. And we were faithful with a little more. And he said, I, I think I'll give you a little more and a little more and a little more. And and I, I, I often get the question, where do you think you'll be in five years or 10 years? Or, you know, you're a billion-dollar company now. What do you what do you think the next 10 years looks like? And I always answer the same <laughs> way. I, I can't have, couldn't have imagined getting here. And all I know is that if we continue to be faithful with what we have, I believe that God will continue to bless our efforts and, and give us the opportunity to bless more families. So we try not to worry too much about the future. We try to just live into the blessing of today and make sure that we're doing all that we're responsible to do. Yeah, to, what a joy uh, and what an inspiration what and encouragement you've given to our listeners today with some of these Wonderful words of wisdom, and uh, I love it. You know, you ain't going to believe what's going to happen, right? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I really love it. Now, you had a little something interesting that you shared with me uh, that was kind of interesting, funny, cool, or whatever it was. But uh, why don't you share uh, with our audiences what your childhood goal was? Well, uh, I was uh, the the younger sister of two two brothers, and mm-hmm. so uh, when some people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say the quarterback of the Houston Oilers, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I still would love to be the quarterback <laughs> of an NFL team. Although the Houston Oilers have probably gone the way of my career, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, my my potential is really limited at this point. But yeah. I'm kind of living vicariously through my son. I have mm-hmm. a a son who's a uh, college quarterback who okay. uh, has been 
playing at Abilene Christian University and is now uh, graduating and doing that graduate transfer thing, and he's going to play at Louisiana Tech University next wow. year. So I'm not ever going to realize my dream of being an NFL <laughs> quarterback, but maybe he can realize yeah. it for me. <laughs> well, God had a different plan for you, and I think uh, you're quarterbacking <laughs> of a fabulous organization that you are and living this out in inspiring and equipping the 12,000 12, employees you have now? Exactly. 12,000 employees. I mean, what a calling and what an inspiration you've been, April, to those folks. I know that I, I'm just sitting here and just soaking it all in because it's just such a wonderful story uh, that you shared with us and today. And hopefully our listeners will be buzzing our, you know, hitting the faith button there on texting us at uh, 224-404-1988. And the word keyword text faith in that uh text message to us, and we're going to get you some goodies. Well, I can't believe that uh, we've gone through the first three segments of the show already, April, but uh, you've been fabulous. We want to encourage our listeners out there to go out and check out faithmarketplace.com. We have all the podcasts out there, wonderful interviews, including this one that will be posted out there. We also want to encourage you to check out, uh, if you feel so encouraged or or moved, to uh, hit the donate button out there. Uh, this ministry is uh, survives on the generosity of our listeners and also sponsors, our wonderful sponsors. So we'd love for you to be able to uh, contribute if you can and consider us as maybe one of the folks that you want to do that to. I want you all to stay tuned here because the next segment, we're going to bring April back in and we're going to roundtable a uh, message today. And I think she's hit a lot of this is when you communicate with your staff, is your objective to help and instruct or to make yourself feel better? I think uh, we've had a wonderful illustration, some stories, but I know that April has more stories for us. So stay tuned because we got a, a, another segment coming back here with April Anthony, CEO of Encompass Health. This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders. Faith Marketplace Radio. Hey, we want to remind you, if you have a business need or a question or you want uh, the perspective of, on sales, marketing, or messaging expert, uh, then contact us at any time. The number is 224-404-1988 or go out there and check us out on LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, you can get a hold of Jennifer and I and we'd, be one, we'd just be thrilled to be able to help you with any questions you might have regarding that. Uh, as I prefaced before, our guest today April Anthony, which is a CEO of Encompass Health, Home Health, and Hospice, is joining me in a roundtable conversation um, with the subject, when you communicate with your staff, is your objective to help and instruct or to make yourself feel better? I know, April, you've given us a couple examples, but uh, your big meeting this year, uh, celebrating 20 years, uh, was quite a thing that you shared with me earlier. So, Maybe you could speak to that as far as um, the communications that you did during that event. Yes, we have a, an annual meeting, uh, ironically, in Las Vegas, which we always think is a good place to uh, to live out godly principles, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. if there ever any place that's needed, uh, that's one of them. But uh, it's it. also a great great place for large-scale conventions. We had about 1,200 people, wow. uh, leaders from around the country, everybody from our local branch directors to our regional team to some of our top sales team members, and uh, brought them all together for about two and a half days in Las Vegas. And this year, our theme was a, was a terrific one, I think. It was uh, our, our reference point was great leaders care, and uh, and the care really stood for uh, communicate, aspire, and inspire, resist, 
and educate and analyze. And our whole theme was built around this idea that, that if as a leader, and I, and I think you're a leader in a company in a lot of different ways, it doesn't just have to be that you sit in the CEO chair or the, or the manager chair. Really, all of us have a, a role to play in leadership, no matter where we sit within the organizational structure. But these characteristics of really being a communicator who can both share and and uh, and listen to people and make sure that you're you're both uh, sharing communication, but that you're always a responsive listener to people and making sure that you can inspire people to want to be their best and that you yourself aspire to want to reach that uh, level of greatness. You know, if you've ever worked for a manager who just kind of wanted to go along and get along, that's not very, uh, you know, rewarding. But being that kind of leader who really aspires for greatness and then inspires others to want to follow them. And then uh, I, I like resist because most people don't like to put negative things in their acronyms. But to me, I think that might be one of the most important things we can do as leaders is resist our base instinct, resist the urge to pop off or to grumble or to scream at people or to belittle them, and instead really keep that self-control. Boy, the fruits mm, of the Spirit right, <laughs> really okay, show up yeah. in that ability to sort of resist some of those urges. And then finally, as leaders, certainly we are teachers and trainers, and so the idea of both educating and particularly in this modern world, analyzing, there's so much data and information out there being an informed leader who, who really utilizes the information that's available to them. And so it was a great event where we built our whole two-and-a-half-day agenda kind of around those themes. And one of the things we got to do to kind of speak to that earlier comment of bringing faith into the workplace is that as I spoke about each of those four topics, I uh, used biblical examples. Oh, that's great. So, for example, for communication, we talked a lot about Moses. And I love that story because, you know, Moses, I mentioned my inability to be an effective communicator. Yeah. And if you read the early the early stages of Moses communicator, he said, I'm slow of speech and tongue. Don't pick me. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I often felt in my early part of my career. But if you read all the way through, uh, through the book of Deuteronomy and get all the way through Moses' story, you come to see that really most of all of the Mosaic law was spoken by Moses. Yeah. <laughs> that he literally <laughs> communicated that to the people of Israel. So we, we talked about Moses and the way he communicated. We, we talked about Joshua and what a what an aspirational and inspirational leader. You know, when everybody else saw failure, Joshua saw success. Uh, and then we talked about Jesus and the example that that he showed, where so many times his disciples were just off base. <laughs> they just said they missed the message. Right. And you have to think that the humanity in him at different points uh, had him just kind of wanting to pull his hair out <laughs> and say, "Why don't you guys get it?" Uh, and yet he resisted that temptation and instead just kept coming back with both love and encouragement and let me get you back on the right track again and and then for educate and analyze Paul is always a uh, always a great example of how he mentored young Timothy. And so we were able to bring those concepts into our leadership meeting. And I, I just think uh, not only do I think they're really great examples of those characteristics, but I love the ability to find those threads within Scripture to bring back into uh, our business environment. And, and, and we're not looking to evangelize our team members. We just kind of hope to plant a seed. And maybe they've never read the story of Joshua, or maybe they don't right. know the story of Moses. And if we could just plant that little seed and get them excited about uh, about touching God's Word, I think God will do the rest. Yeah, and what an inspiration it is to be able to do that in the scale that you're doing it, because so many people today are intimidated by, you know, uh, doing the wrong thing, or is it politically correct, or whatever those kind of things. These are 
these are basic biblical truths that we've lived out, you know, since the dawn of man. Uh, but it's just so refreshing that you can speak that truth at uh, a national event like you're having and have that many people there and be able to inspire, equip, and encourage them through those kind of, uh, you know, aspirations. You know, one of the things that I wanted to uh, dig at a little bit, April, you know, it's it's one thing to stand up there as a business leader and, and put this out there, and certainly the wonderful work you do every Monday when you, you know, you're trying to live it out. How do, you, how do you maintain that cascading down through the organization? Well, you know, one of the things that we do to build culture is not only bring people here to train them, but I spend a lot of time as a leader on the road. Um, and so mentioned 330 total locations, and I make it uh, a point to go to all of those locations. It does take me two years to make the full loop <laughs> to go uh, to every location across the country and still kind of get my day job done. But, uh, but I spend a lot of intentional time out visiting with our leaders in their local branches. So not only are we bringing them here for training, we're pouring into them at these annual leadership events, but they're also seeing me in their local office um, really talking to their staff and trying to, to help them live out this mission uh, on an everyday basis. And so I think it's, it's communication. It's yeah. contact. It's, yeah. it's showing your heart and your passion, and then it's doing your very best to always walk the walk right. <laughs> and, and yeah. make sure that you are not just a, a talking head, but somebody who's really living out those principles. Yeah, you know, and that's, and it, that's so true because I, as I speak with business leaders all the time, I said, as a Christian business leader, you have such a responsibility today for our millennial generation, the Z generation, because they're highly skeptical. A lot of them aren't going to church. And so if you are a proclaimed Christian, they're watching. They're watching the walk, not just the talk. And Absolutely. so, it, it, you know, it... Uh, it puts a burden in, but also I, I consider it a great privilege, you know, that I am a card-carrying Christian. I, I try to live it out. I'm not perfect, but at least I'm trying to make sure that whatever I'm, you know, whatever the talk is, that I'm living up to that with my walk. I think it was um, one of the theologians that said, you know, go out and spread the gospel, use words if necessary. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you seem to be a living example true? of that, you know, by by your walk and going out there and, and I know the you know people mimic that. People see that and they get very encouraged by that and inspired by doing something like that when they see their leader doing it. And that's why you built the enormous uh, kind of organization that you have, the culture you have. And I just so much admire that today, April, and you sharing these stories to our listeners. Well, listen, uh, folks, we wanted to encourage you to go out there and check out faithmarketplace.com. We have, again, all the podcasts back there for the last um, – it's all going on seven years now. I can't believe it. And please text us at 224-404-1988 and the word faith. And we got a goodie bag here, so we're wanting to do that. Also, I want to encourage you to just, you know, ping us. Uh, Jennifer and I have LinkedIn's. we got Facebook out there. So we'd be encouraged if you would send us a message. If you're looking for some help with anything we can provide to you, we'd really love to do that. We want you to also stay tuned every Saturday here at AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We're on at noon to 1 o'clock. I know it's a t- kind of a tough time sometimes. You're out in the soccer field with your kids. You're out shopping. But there is a downloadable app that YLO has. So you can listen to us from anywhere. We'll see you next Saturday. Thanks for joining us for Faith Marketplace Radio, here to inspire, equip, and encourage Chicagoland's Christian business community. Faith Marketplace is on every Saturday at noon, right here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Listen to past shows anytime online at faithmarketplace.com.